Uh, Father, we thank you for your word to us. Uh, we pray that we will hear you speak as we look at it together now. Amen. Amen. And let me send my welcome as well if you're in a different room or if you're watching from home uh, this morning. Uh, the clothes you wear can affect how you behave, can't they? More than that, I'd say the clothes you wear can change who you think you are. So I used to be a teacher, and I remember one of my colleagues would always wear a tie to work. It was quite formal for a, for a primary school classroom. He, um, he wasn't particularly senior, he wasn't in management. Uh, in fact, he'd only recently qualified. But, but he'd wear a tie to school each day because it made him feel more like a teacher, more like an authoritative person in the classroom. And you know, I, I got it. It made sense to me. Because what you wear can change you. It can change how you behave. It can change who you think you are. And I think the Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to this church in Ephesus, I, I think he knew that. And I think that's why he, um, he uses the image of clothes, um, of dressing and undressing, at the heart of this passage that Arthur just read for us. Uh, verse 22, and put off your old self. Verse 24, put on the new self. Verse 25, put off falsehood. This language of putting on and off, getting dressed, that activity that you do each morning where you choose what to put on, depending on what you expect that particular day to hold. Uh, and a bit like my colleague and his tie, uh, for Paul, that this metaphor of getting dressed and undressed, it links to our identity, who we think we are, and it links to our conduct, how we choose to live. Um, and we don't get time to um, go into detail on this now, but, but clothing is actually quite a big theme through the Bible. Uh, go right back to Genesis 3, uh, and God dresses, he clothes Adam and Eve um, at the end of that chapter. Or uh, think of the uh, elaborate priestly garments that um, God mandated in Exodus, as we were learning back in the summer. Or, or Zechariah's vision of a dirtily clothed great high priest. And so clothing is a big deal in the Bible. Uh, and we'll consider this passage um, in two halves this morning. Uh, so the first, uh, remember that Jesus has given you a brand new outfit. In chapter 4, verses 17 to 24. Uh, and then the second part will be uh, live like you're wearing Jesus' brand new outfit in 4 verse 25 to 5 verse 2. Um, so the first part, um, remember that Jesus has given you a brand new outfit. Remember that Jesus has given you a brand new outfit. Um, but uh, that's not actually where we begin because in verse 17 we begin with our old outfits and um, the old clothes we used to wear. Uh, follow with me. I'll read again from verse 17. Uh, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. It's, a, it's not a pleasant picture. 
Like, like in chapter 2, verses 1 to 3, which we read a few weeks ago, and Paul gives us a, a grim picture of the before, before he gives us the glorious after. And he describes the Gentiles, that, that, that's the non-Jewish, uh, non-believers in Ephesus. He describes them as three things, as darkened in their understanding, verse 18, separated from God, also verse 18, and given over to sensuality and impurity, in verse 19. And what particularly strikes me is his focus on the realm of the mind, and perhaps it's just me, but, but I think when I describe people whose lifestyle I, I rightly or wrongly don't agree with, I think I'll probably start with their actions, the, the actions that I find offensive. Um, you know, they abuse people behind closed doors. They, they take drugs in the park. But Paul starts with the mindset of the Gentiles, their thinking, the futility of their thinking. At the end of verse 17, the darkness in their understanding at the beginning of verse 18, the ignorance that is in them, in verse 18. This, this wrong thinking has then led them to develop hard hearts, in verse 18, and lifestyles that run against God's good pattern, in verse 19. Their sinful living, according to Paul, has originated from their wrong thinking. Maybe an application for us there to chew over in um, how we think about those who live very different lives from ours. Um, but verse 20, uh, we see that verse 19 is not the end of the story uh, for these Ephesian Christians. For that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. God has intervened in the lives of these Gentile Christians and, um, continuing with the mind terminology here, Paul goes to the language of the classroom. He doesn't say you discovered Christ, you found him, you met him. He says you learned and were taught Christ. In verses 20 and 21. They heard, they learned, they were taught. Verse 22, they're being made new. In the, sorry, verse 23, they're being made new in the attitude of their minds. And, that, and, that, and that's worth paying attention to. For turning to and following Christ is at first a change in thinking. It's a response to a piece of good news, a good news gospel announcement that Jesus declared that he had brought, as we read in Mark chapter 1. And in fact, the word repent, it comes from, um, comes from Greek words meaning new and think. So to repent, to become a Christian, is to, to new think. Turning to and following Christ is at first a change in thinking. God's work of redressing us starts with our minds. And, um, and, and, and that means that, that, that a cultural Christian, someone who lives a good life, lives in Christian ways, follows Christian morals, but doesn't accept the gospel message with their mind as far as they have mental capacity to do so, well, they're actually not a Christian at all. They're still in their former clothes. And similarly, someone who has the right feelings, words and experiences, but chooses to reject the facts of the gospel message with their mind, well, they also are no Christian at all. They remain in their former clothes. If, um, if you fall under either of those descriptions, do you, do you speak to me? 
or to one of the other pastors or elders or someone you see up the front or, or the person sitting next to you this morning. And God's work of redressing us doesn't end with the mind, but it certainly begins there. Turning to and following Christ is first a change in thinking. Um, and we get here um, the, the, what I think is the heart of our passage, um, the, the image of getting dressed and undressed where we began. Um, and we see in verses 22, 23, and 24 that Jesus has given us a brand new outfit to wear. Jesus has given us a brand new outfit to wear. Uh, let me read again from verse 22. Uh, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That old outfit that you once wore, verse 22, that the Gentiles still wear, verses 17 to 19, those clothes are no longer fit for purpose, says Paul. That outfit belongs to your former way of life. It's corrupted by sin. It's in tatters. No bleach will remove the stains of your sin. It's not good enough uh, to be sold on Facebook Marketplace or eBay. It's not even be good enough to be taken to the charity shop. It's for the fabric recycling bin. But verse 23, you've been given a new outfit, a new set of clothes to wear. And what is it like, this new outfit, this new self? Well, it's incredible. For it is created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 24. This outfit is designed to make you look like Jesus. It's been crafted to make you resemble him. Wear this outfit and you will look like Jesus. Wearing this outfit will give you back something of the image of God that we forfeited when we chose our own way back in Eden and God first had to clothe us. How incredible. Um, best part of a decade ago, I uh, bought what I thought was a pretty nice suit to, uh, to wear when I was invited to weddings. Um, but I realised a few years ago that, that fashions had moved on a little bit and that it was more sort of mismatched trousers and jackets and waistcoats. That, that, were the, that was the thing now. Uh, so one summer, pre-COVID times, um, I, uh, I went out and I, and I got a new wedding outfit. Uh, I got a waistcoat, got, got a different jacket. Um, and I felt pretty chipper wearing my new seat that summer. I, I like to think I looked pretty good in that new get-up. And that was just me trying to look like other people. Wear this outfit, Paul says, and you get to look like Jesus. Wear this outfit and you get to look like Jesus. And one more thing about this outfit. Um, did you notice the verb tenses in verses 22 to 24? Um, you were taught to put off your old self, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self. Um, th those verbs uh, are, are not present tense imperatives. Uh, they're not commands in the present tense, the here and now, things that Paul is commanding his readers and us to do for the first time. Um, these verses don't say, put off your old self, be made new, put on the new self. No. These verbs are, they're aorist part participles, apparently. 
Um, and that, apparently, um, denotes actions that are ongoing. Actions have already begun and are continuing until some unknown point in time. So this isn't Christian, get changed. It's more stay wearing the brand new outfit Jesus has given you that you're already wearing. Don't absent-mindedly change back into your old joggers. Don't one morning fish out that, that 20-year-old wedding suit out the charity shop bag and start wearing it again. It's stay wearing the brand new outfit Jesus has given you that you've already got on. Keep putting it on each new day. And it sounds obvious, doesn't it? I mean, why wouldn't we wear that new outfit? But, but we don't always. Um, let me give you an example. Uh, early last spring, I bought a new winter coat. I bought it with some leftover uh, Christmas money. And um, it was an absolute steal. I mean, not, not literally. I did, I did pay for it. <laughs> but the shop were evidently trying to clear out their winter stock. And I mean, two months earlier, I would have paid twice the price and still thought it was a decent price for that coat. And, and, and I felt like I needed it. Um, my old winter coat had done quite a few winters, probably one too many. Um, so I bought this coat early in the new spring. And what did I do with it? I put it away in the wardrobe. A few weeks before the end of the cold weather, it didn't really feel like the right time to, um, to break in a new coat. Uh, and the wardrobe is where it still is, which would be fine. The, the weather's only just starting to get colder. I've got a perfectly decent lighter coat. Uh, I'll get out the new coat when I need it. Uh, when I need it. Um, but then there's a part of me that, that found myself thinking this week, oh, maybe, you know, maybe I won't get it out yet. You know, it's not really that cold yet. I'm sure my old coat could do one more winter, and it's really warm, it's really comfy, it's really familiar. And maybe I'll just leave the new coat in the wardrobe and get it out next year. And it's silly, but I'm sure I'm not the only person who's been tempted to, uh, to opt for their old, comfy, familiar, uh, ragged clothing over the new shiny stuff in the, in the cellophane wrapper. And um, I think that's what we're tempted to do spiritually, Paul's saying. Um, instead of putting on Jesus' brand new outfit each day, I think we're tempted to slip back into the comfy old jogging trousers of sin. I think instead of putting on Jesus' brand new outfit each day, we're tempted to slip back into the comfy old joggers of sin. And after all, sin is comfy, isn't it? Not when you call it sin. When you call it sin, it's, it's really bad, obviously. But when it's just that, that little bit of greed or indulgence or, or laziness disguising itself as a, some well-deserved me time. Or when it's letting your mind wander down a path that, that leads nowhere good, but feels so juicy and succulent, imagining things you know it's helpful, uh, not helpful to imagine. Or, or rewriting the story of your day, your week, your life with you as the misunderstood hero and everyone else the villains. Or when it's switching off the conscience until after you've made that purchase, looked up that person online, been on that website. Or when it's choosing to, uh, to obey the phone in your pocket rather than honour the family, the friends, your spouse next to you. Um, sin is comfy. It's all too tempting to slip back into it and to just accidentally forget to get into the new outfit Jesus has given you one morning and then the next morning. And then before you know it, your brand new outfit is just gathering dust in the wardrobe. But remember, what you wear changes how you behave. It changes who you think you are. Wear the comfy old joggers of sin. And what are you going to find yourself doing? If you're anything like me, far more likely to find yourself sinning. But Jesus has given us 
a brand new outfit. He's made it for us. He paid with his life to buy it for us. His blood is what makes it so beautifully white and pure. His holy life gives it its dazzling color. And incredibly, it's already ours. It's not sitting in the shop with a hefty price tag, making us think, am I ever going to afford that? It's already ours. He's bought it for us. He's put it on us when we first turn to him. It hangs each day in our wardrobe, shining in its brilliance, waiting to be warm. Jesus has given us a brand new outfit. So let's keep wearing it. Let's keep putting it on each day. But how? We might be wondering, how do we wear this new outfit Jesus has given us? This is obviously a metaphor. There's not a literal fabric item of clothing for us to wear as Christians, a uniform. So how do we wear this new outfit Jesus has given us? Well, that leads us on to the second point, the second half of this passage. Um, Live like you're wearing Jesus' brand new outfit. From verse 25. That's chapter 5, verse 2. Live like you're wearing Jesus' brand new outfit. Um, It's only actually um, in verse 25 that we first get an imperative, a command in this passage. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbour. Finally, we're, we're told to do something. In this verse, we're told to stop bending and twisting the truth and speak truthfully instead. And there are quite a few uh, commands, as you probably noticed as Arthur read it, uh, over the next ten or so verses. How do we wear the brand new outfit we have in Jesus? What does it look like to inhabit the clothes that are going to make us look like him? What kind of life should we be aspiring to if we want to grow up, as Phil was teaching us just now? Well, it's pretty humbling. Verse 25 We're to stop exaggerating our stories, stop twisting what people have said or situations to our favour and tell the truth. Verses 26 and 27, we're to stop claiming that our rash responses are righteous anger and we're to stop harbouring resentments and sort out our disagreements. Verse 28 There may not be many convicted thieves among us, but but we're to stop cutting corners, telling ourselves everyone else is doing it, taking from the office what isn't really ours, using the subscription that we didn't actually pay for, claiming as expenses what we would have bought with our own money anyway. And we're to work hard so that we've got something to give. Verses 29 and 30, and I think verse 30 probably tags on to um, verse 29. We're we're to stop speaking quicker than we think and letting whatever black thoughts are in our minds trip off our tongues and bring people down, grieving the Holy Spirit in the process. But we're to say what will edify, what will encourage. And verse 31, we're to stop being so angry whether it's tempestuous displays of rage that we're prone to or the more settled resentments, whether it's the outward fury or the inner bitterness, the in-your-face brawling or the behind-your-back slander or just the pure ill will and plotting of malice. We're to give it all up and we're to choose to choose kindness, compassion and forgiveness. That's what we're to do. If we want to wear the brand-new outfit We've been given in Jesus. 
But before we head off in the wrong direction, as, as we read this list, this isn't some sort of buy now, pay later thing. We, we take the outfit home from the shop, but we're going to have to pay for it with enough good works. And if we default, if we're not good enough, then we have to return Jesus' brand new outfit to the shop. No. Because remember, back in chapter 2, verse 8, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We have this new outfit entirely because of God's grace. And we keep this new outfit entirely because of God's grace. There's no returns policy for this outfit. If we don't keep wearing it, it simply sits on our wardrobes, gathering dust. We have this outfit, and we keep this outfit by God's grace. But let's go back to that list again. And the more I've thought about it over the past few weeks, the more extraordinary I've felt it to be. Because it feels so different from the sort of list I think I would write if a young, keen-to-grow Christian asked me how to grow, how to mature, what I thought a godly, Christ-like life should look like. What would I put on my list? I'd probably say, you know, get hold of some good theology books and get reading, listen to some podcasts, read through the Bible cover to cover, start a prayer plan. Get serving, do some word ministry, think about evangelism, get equipped for mission, consider your witness in the workplace, get out, in, out into the community and love unbelievers, go to Christian conferences, lead a summer camp. All great things. But not what Paul writes here. Because being kind, telling the truth, working hard. I mean, between you and I, isn't that what we teach the children to do? I mean, I know we've got Explore, we've got the teens in here with us, they're still children, but, but really? I mean, I mean, isn't that what the five-year-olds have gone upstairs to learn? Don't we teach the children to be kind? Don't we teach the children to forgive each other? Don't we teach the children to manage their tempers? I mean, surely we're a bit beyond that. I don't think I've seen any of you throw a temper tantrum like the ones I see with my three- and five-year-olds at home. More far too polite and well-trained for that. And so maybe we read this list and think, do we need something a bit more grown-up? And yet here it is, in our Bibles, for those Ephesian Christians, then and there, but for us too. We too need to be told that we're to be kind, that we're not to bear grudges, that we're not to excuse our angry outbursts. Why? I think chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, function as a bit of a sort of summary of this section and a preparation for the next passage. Um, let's read them again. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Why are we to live like this? Why is this what wearing the new outfit Jesus has given us is meant to look like? Well, because this is how Jesus lived. If remembering to be kind wasn't beneath Jesus, if Jesus wasn't too important to speak a kind word to someone, if Jesus spent probably a decade of his life learning an ordinary human trade and working hard in it, are we really above such things? 
Jesus lived a life of love. He loved us. He gave himself up for us. And so, of course, wearing his clothes, the brand new outfit he's given us, the outfit that's designed to make us look like him, it's going to look like being more like, becoming more like the person he is. And that's so interesting. Because I think my here's how to get godly list is far more about what you do and what you know than about who you are. And I think my list was so much more individualistic. It was a list of tasks you could go away and complete under your own steam, if not completely on your own. There wasn't much need or room for the body of Christ as an active living thing that we were learning about last week in my how to get a godly list. Uh, But Paul says here that wearing your brand new outfit Jesus has given you, it's not so much about what you do or what you know. It's about who you are. It's about growing a character that is more like Jesus's. And the evidence for that won't be found in the big moments when we're standing at the front like I am now, when we're leading, preaching, publicly serving, using our gifts when eyes are on us. The evidence is far more likely to be found in the small moments, in what went through your head as you walked away from that frustrating conversation, as much as the difficult truth you may have shared in the conversation. In the sharp word you spoke to your spouse as you left the house, as much as in the, uh, the Bible study or Christian work that, that you were leaving your house to serve in. In the temper that spilt over as you put your children to bed, as much as in the Bible time that you had with them over dinner or just before you put them to bed. It's in the small moments that we see whether we have Christ-like characters. And where does the rubber hit the road for me? Easy for me to stand at the front and preach this to you and go home with a heart unchanged. Well, I think as I've reflected on this passage over the last week, I think, I think it's that quiet anger for me. Not, not the out and loud rage, the losing your temper, but, but that less obvious, just quite bitterness, resentment, the building up of the grudge, the forgiving but not quite forgetting, holding it against them. And then the stories I tell myself in my mind, how could they not see? Do they really not get? Why are they still? Put it off says Jesus to me. Get rid of it. There's no place for that resentment in the life of the Christian. It looks nothing like Jesus. So get rid of it. You can pray for me as I battle my sin. And perhaps take some time today to prayerfully consider whether maybe one of these sins jumps out as um, lurking in your life. If you're in a home group, Perhaps go this week prepared to share which sin you find that you struggle with from this list. Um, You need fear no judgment for your brothers and sisters in Christ. We'll all be fellow strugglers too. Live a life of love because Jesus lived a life of love. Wearing his clothes means following his example. It means being like him far more than it means trying to do what he does or just knowing more about him. And of course, being like him completely is an impossible task. But remember what we've already seen in Ephesians, that we've been saved by grace. In chapter 2, verse 8, that we have every spiritual blessing we need 
in Christ. In chapter 1, verse 3, that we have the Holy Spirit. In 1, verses 13 to 14, that we are God's handiworks, his masterpieces, created to do good works he has planned for us to do. In chapter 2, verse 10. It will be no surprise to God when you don't send that email that you've been writing in your head for the last week because God has planned for you to send a different kind of email already. And he's given us people to teach us his word, as we saw last week in chapter 4, verse 11, and to equip us to serve him. Will we ever love people as Jesus loved them? Of course not. But the quality of the members of the church is love for each other is of paramount importance to the writers of the New Testament. I haven't counted it, but I I can bet you that much as we get commands to evangelise, to plant churches, to guard the truth, to teach the Bible, to feed the poor, I, I can say almost for certain we get an awful lot more commands in the epistles to just love the person sitting in the chair next to you. Why does it matter so much? Well, because Jesus loves us. And by our love for each other, the whole world will see what his love looks like. So keep putting on each day the brand new outfit he has already given you, the brand new outfit he's already dressed you in, the brand new outfit that makes you look like him. Let's pause for a moment, and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Father, we thank you that if we are trusting Jesus, then you have already given us a new identity. You've made us new people in Christ. You've given us a new set of clothes to wear each day. We pray that we might keep wearing them, that we might put them on each new morning, that we will not turn back to the comfy patterns of sin, but that we might love others as you have loved us, that the whole world may see how great your love is.